Welcome to You and Your Money. Today we're talking about a topic that's just in time for the holidays, gifts that can help loved ones live well. And joining me, Jim Zahansky, Principal, Managing Partner, and Chief Strategy Officer, hmm, that's a new one, at Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors. Jim, good to have you back, my friend. What's this Chief Strategy Officer thing? Oh, well, good morning. I don't know. Uh, It must be something new. No, seriously, uh, it's a bit about... You know, when we're we're working with clients, whether they're individuals or business owners or or uh, nonprofits, we are building a financial planning strategy, and I uh, I for the firm lead that that for uh, for clients and for the organization. Wow. Okay, that's a new one on me. So before we get into today's topic about gifts that help loved ones live well. I think it's time to begin the program with analysis of what's going on in the markets, Jim. Well, there's a lot going. There's a lot going on, as there usually is in the markets. We, we, uh, we look at them in our investment committee, which is um, comprised of myself and others here at our firm, as well as some uh, external research. And you know, when you look at the year so far, it's been really strong in the stock markets. I mean, S and P 500 index, which is a, a strong measure of broad equities or, or stock exposure, up double digits. You know, nearly 20 percent, depending on which day you're looking at it, year to date. Uh, not quite the story on the fixed income or bond markets, uh, as those have been, you know, a little bit shaky. Uh, and and they're, while they're, uh, you know, producing a bit more than what what banks are producing in terms of uh, interest, they're they're not as strong as the equities markets because uh, they're also not as risky. So um, that's where we are in terms of year-to-date performance. As we sit here today, though, uh, as we have throughout the pandemic, you know, we continue to watch what is probably the largest risk to all of us, which is what's happening with uh, the most recent variant and, and what does that mean from an economic point of view, right? And and uh, you all remember back to March and April of 2020 when we sort of shut things down. We've come a long way from there. Um, we've managed through many variants, and we have been able to you know, sort of get back to a way of life that was uh, not the same prior to COVID, but certainly more than what it was in March and April of 2020 to a high degree, which has driven economic growth, like things like job growth, spending growth, business growth, um, you know, business investment growth are are all really improving at a very fast rate. Uh, And so, you know, we expect that to continue to happen as we work through uh, variants looking forward, as we've learned how to do this before, and we can can do it again. I think on the other side of it, though, the economic growth is so strong, um, and job growth and and wage growth is is really improving throughout the country at a high degree. Um, You know, you're seeing the Federal Reserve sort of talk a bit about having to tighten rates a bit earlier than might have been expected. so while that's good, a good sign of where the economy is for the equity side or the stock markets, um, you know we'd rather not see interest rates get higher, and so uh, that's what you're sort of seeing happening right now. You're seeing a layering of volatility through the Omicron variant, as well as uh, comments from the Federal Reserve Chair, which have talked a bit about how inflation is is not as transitory as they thought, and uh, they may have to tighten. Or, or, you know, sort of go to a hawkish tone at the Federal Reserve, which just means they'll likely increase interest rates uh, to a higher degree sometime in 2022, maybe a bit earlier than, the, than we all thought. 
And then another thing that happened with the markets when this new variant came out, the variant du jour came out, is that the market took a hit. And I said to myself, self, I said, I'll bet it's going to bounce back the next day. And that's kind of what happens, except for 2008. That's kind of what usually happens, isn't it? Yeah, right now, I mean, the market's di- it, it's, it's a digestion, for lack of a better term, of what's really happening, right? And so we have headline news telling us, this is, you know, the cases are going to, it's really uh, really a difficult variant, et cetera. And I think the reality is we just don't know yet. Um, and and uh, the, good, the good news is we have worked through these before. I mean, the similar headlines happened this summer over Delta. And, and while all things could be different, I just think we don't know. And so the market's trying to digest that. And that's why you're seeing this volatility of the yin and the yang of the ups and downs of, of uh, stock market performance over the last week. Did any particular part of the market take a bigger hit when that news came out? I mean, if you noticed some of the tech, uh, to, you know, as measured um, through the NASDAQ, I mean, that, that sort of went down. I mean, uh, Dow Jones 30 went down more, more than the S&P. Uh, but, but in reality is it sort of was a, it was a momentum shift down, and, uh, and then you're seeing a momentum shift back up. That's the yin and the yang of things. Um, certainly, there's been some h- higher performers r- related to the, you know, if you look at companies that are supporting, um, you know, all of us getting through these, like all the vaccine companies, they were much, m- up much more uh, over the last week or so, just due to the fact that there might be more of a need for them, right? So um, that's sort of the way that the markets have bounced over the past uh, the past, past week. And I, I mean, like every risk and opportunity, because that's every time we're talking about markets, there's always risks, there's always opportunities. Uh, the, the key point is to figure out where those opportunities are and position yourself well. I mean, markets rise and fall, and how you shift in them are, uh, is critical to your longer-term success. And that's how we look at things in our investment committee, um, both from an external threat point of view, where are the markets going, what's the data telling us, and how to uh, ensure that we're navigating those, those changes um, well for our clients. So, Jim, we're heading to the height of the holiday season, of course, and everybody's looking for those perfect gifts for the ones they love. But I hear there are actually some potentially life-changing financial gifts that you can give that could also provide you with some tax benefits, too. Well, life-changing, you know, that that's definitely, it might be a stretch, but it might make you feel really good. But it is true. Um, you, you know, if you want to help your loved ones to live well and, and you have, you know, the interest or desire to, you know, make uh, gifts around the holidays, there might be something that could, uh, you know, help people and give you a smile. So this time of year when everyone's looking at their finances, you, you probably um, are trying to figure out, you know, do, if I have a little bit extra, who do, who do I give it to? Do I give it to a family member? Do I give it to a charity? Do I, you know, um, I'm, or am I, if I'm just scraping by, I'm not, I'm not giving it to anybody. But um, there are a couple of options that might allow people who have a little bit extra money this time of year to meet the goal of being, you know, giving to people and also do something that helps them on the financial side as well, Wayne. Financial planning and a meaningful holiday gift giving all wrapped into one. I, I like that, Jim. <laughs> and a bow. And, and, and it comes with a bow. Um, uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. When you think about your finances, I mean, most people are building budgets. Most people are thinking about how they are meeting goals in their life. 
um, you know, things like eventually retiring or maybe buying even a, a car or a new house or something like that. Um, many people are including gifting in those financial plans, and I know we work with our clients on that. And so when you think about financial gifts, uh, you know, the IRS has some guidance for you, of course. It's not as if you can just give away the whole, the whole kit and caboodle. But currently in 2021, uh, you can give up to $15,000 away per person under the IRS guidelines. And, uh, you, you know, that's not going if to, you, if you're under that number, the, the giver is not going to be subject to the gift tax. Um, in 2022, just as a, a side note, that number went up to 16000 So we're not quite there, but just for those that are listening that are interested, that's a little tidbit for you. But as we sit here in 2021, it's 15000 um, And though there are a couple of gifts, and this is the, the, the good financial planning part, um, that the IRS considers certain payments to be made on behalf of others to be what's called a non-gift gift. And, and, uh, and this is excluded from the gift tax. And these payments also can be excluded from generation skipping transfer tax. So it's also an effective way to a state, state plan, Wayne. Now, what sort of payments qualify as non-gifts gifts? It's so clear, right? Non-gift gift. Uh, well, you know, the idea of um, there's two really types that do this. And, uh, and they are very meaningful. So when you use the word life-changing, for some it certainly could be. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who are getting a higher education or some sort of certificate program trying to advance themselves, whether it's college or, you know, some sort of trade. Um, and, and so, you know, you can make payments for tuition at a qualified educational organization directly to that organization. And you could also make, uh, you know, qualifying health and medical, uh, you know, payments on behalf of another person. And those payments are considered to be non-gift gifts. And therefore, if they're above that $15,000 limit, they're not subject to the gift tax or the generation skipping transfer tax if they're paid directly to a qualified educational institution on behalf of another person or to the health care uh, or medical care provider on behalf of another person. No, I had not heard about that. That's great. Uh, so how do you go about doing that? Are there rules you have to follow? Well, there's always rules when it comes to the IRS, and you want to be certain you're doing it the right way. Um, and, and, you know, obviously there's a, there's a nice gesture that you're fulfilling, but you also want to be sure there's not some sort of unintended consequence. So um, when you're thinking about the education side, there are some conditions that the IRS sets forth. Uh, number one, you know, the payment must be for tuition only. So, you know, it's not for books or room and board or, or other fees that, that colleges put in or, or educational institutions put in. It must be for tuition only, and it has to be paid, as I was saying, directly to the uh, educational organization. So, you know, if someone's making a, if someone's attending Eastern uh, Connecticut State University and, and uh, you know, you want to pay for the tuition, you write a check directly to Eastern on behalf of the person that's going. Um, if that tuition on an annual basis is above that 15000 uh number, then, you know, you're, you're still not going to be taxed at the gift tax level under the IRS guidance. Um, but the educational, and Eastern would certainly qualify as one, but if you're not thinking of, you know, Eastern or UConn and there's somewhere else someone's going, um, the, the organization has to have a regular faculty. They have to have regular schedule of courses and, and have certainty around that. Uh, clearly, they have to enroll students on a regular basis, so it can't be a fly-by-night type of uh, institution. And, uh, you know, have to carry out educational activities. People have to be learning there. 
Jim, as the chief strategy officer at Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky, do you also give advice about how these gifts would be delivered? Like, for example, would they be in a box or an envelope and, you know, wrapped in a bow? Or would they be stuck in a stocking as a stocking stuffer? I need advice on this. Well, you, you only if you're going to give both those gifts and the stocking directly to the institution, right? So, so uh, you might put a special note in somebody's stocking or wrap it up for them, um, but you certainly wouldn't put the money there. You have to pay that directly to the institution, Wayne. I'm sure they always send thank you notes too. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it, 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 I mean, obviously, the cost of education um, for for all of us and, and for many of our clients as we're planning with them is a challenge always, right? It takes a long time to plan and save for this type of thing. So many people who are in position to help others, um, you know, whether it be grandparents or just friends of family, um, you know, this is a, a, a great way to estate plan, help others, and to um, be sure that you're, you're uh, you know, being tax-friendly as well. Well, we're coming up with some ideas here that people hadn't thought of before. Here's another one. What about giving a gift by making payments for health care on someone else's behalf. How do the rules apply for that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's one that may, may not be known, but, I mean, similar situation, right? I mean, health care costs are, are rising. Many people are using the system uh, for surgeries and, and whatever, whatever the need might be to keep them healthy. Um, and, and as with tuition, you can, any person can pay a, a, an unlimited amount toward another person's qualified medical care, and that won't be subject to the gift tax or generation skipping transfer tax either. Um, but here again, Wayne, you know, the, the, pi- the payments have to be made directly to the provider. And, and when, you, when you do these types of things, uh, you know, it's nice to hear me on the radio sort of talking about these strategies at a, at a financial planning level, but every person is different. Everyone has a different situation. So when we're working with clients on this, you know, we may include uh, the, the client's accountant. We may include others so that uh, we're being sure we're being thoughtful about the tax implications while we're being generous to someone else. What happens if you make a medical payment for somebody and then their insurance company reimburses all or part of that expense? Right. Good question because, uh, you know, everyone, most people are carrying some sort of insurance. I think with the advent of high deductible plans, um, you know, the, the relevancy of this type of strategy is actually increased um, because, you know, many people are carrying deductibles of ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. But however, if, 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 if you, you, Wayne, went and, you know, you had a procedure and it cost $50,000 and, uh, you know, you, you submitted to your insurance and, uh, you know, someone else paid the 50000 for you and you got reimbursed, say, 5000 well, that $5,000 portion would then be treated as a regular gift and subject to the tax. Well, by the same token, a lot of people have policies where there's some sort of deductible. So maybe insurance covers much of it. Would it, do you have people that actually would say, let me give a gift and let me pay your deductible for you? I, I've never heard of this concept. Well, well, I mean, certainly that's true if, you're, if your deductible is ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. I mean, people who are carrying sort of major medical deductible type insurance through the healthcare exchange or other, you know, uh, high deductible plans and they need a procedure, uh, we often find that's actually where many have struggles with paying those bills, right? 
Um, and, and, you know, you can usually work with the medical institution or provider to pay that over time. Um, but, but I think um, those sort of can be burdens on an everyday level for sure. Jim, as a financial advisor, or as you call it, a strategic wealth advisor, do you actually have people, either A, in the office, these days done sometimes virtually, who ask these questions and who you actually follow through and make these things happen? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think, uh, and, and particularly in our in our world, um, you know, this is a, a way if if you have a client who is philanthropic or wants to help somebody, you know, the first thing to think about is um, how does it impact your overall estate plan, uh, your ability to live in, in meet your goals, and then um, how would you do it in a way that had some, you know, positive tax approach if you could do it. All right, there's a few gifts more valuable than health or education, I can see what a great financial planning benefit this can be offering people as well. So how do people get the process started? Yeah, I mean, if you want to support a loved one or a friend or, you know, however we talked about relative to these types of gifts, directly to an education institution, directly to a medical care provider, um, you know, it's, it's, I think one of the things that we, we do is we'd certainly be happy to help you think that through, or if you're already working with an advisor, you should talk to them about it or your tax planner. Um, because I think there, there's, uh, there's a great deal of great feeling that you get when you do this for somebody and there could be a potential boost or, or help to your financial plan and or, uh, tax planning. So, you know, we work with clients on this. Of course they could, they could, um, you know, connect with us here at our offices and, and, uh, or, or go to our website at whzwealth.com to sort of uh, initiate a conversation, but happy to, to help others think through this as well. We've done shows on this, but the tax laws changed significantly a couple of years ago, and did, what was the effect of that on gift-giving limits in general over the course of a calendar year? Yeah, so the Tax Cut and Jobs Act of 2017, which is what you're referring to, passed uh, in December of 17, um, and we've sort of averted, you know, there was a lot of talk about tax policy change this year. It looks like uh, so far we've been able to to not not have that happen. Um, So, you know, the gift tax has increased, you you know, each year, I'm sorry, the the, the gift limit. So I was talking about the IRS gift limit of being 15,000 this year without having to uh, pay the gift tax. Basically, the giver of the gift. If you go over that fifteen thousand, uh, you're filing a gift tax return. And if you're above the fifteen thousand to an individual, you know you're paying a tax on that. That could range somewhere likely between like eighteen and forty percent uh, of the amount above the gift limit. Um, and so for 2022, that'll be sixteen thousand. So what we see is, you know, the IRS looks at it and sort of says, where are we with these types of things, and increases the limits now. What the Tax Cut and Jobs Act of 2017 did do was uh, was increase uh, the, the the federal sort of um, lifetime exemption that each person has. So, if you have an estate value right now, um, you know above the 12 to I think it's 12.4 million, above that range, um, when when you're not here, there'll be an estate tax on that on a federal level above that 12 million dollar limit. And so it increased the limits on the on the federal lifetime exemption, which helped people with large estates. Um, 
you, you know, we'll see. It sort of sunsets in 2025, at the end of 2025. We'll see where, where Congress uh, stands at that point on it. But it did certainly help as the state sizes grew. It, it uh, limited the number of people that that tax could hit. Um, and so there has been talk of lowering that back down. We'll, we'll see where it stands, but right now there has been no change to that. So that is what the Tax Cut and Jobs Act did do to gifting overall at a high level, and at a lower level where we're seeing you know the fifteen or thousand dollars per person uh, gift without being taxed on it. We're seeing that increase on an annual basis as well by the IRS. So um, those are. I hope that answers your question, Wayne. Yeah, and twelve point four million dollar estate. You're talking my language here, pal. When when you give the the, the fifteen thousand dollar limit this year, is that the same for twenty twenty two, or is that going to be different than what it is right now? Yeah, it's going to increase in twenty twenty two to sixteen thousand. And is that to the dollar sixteen thousand? Meaning, if I give sixteen thousand and one dollar, I get a tax penalty. On that one dollar, yeah, you have to file a gift tax return. Of course, either way, is that going to be the forty percent part you talked about a moment ago? It's going to tax me forty cents. You could be, you know, you're going to be somewhere based on your total tax picture, likely uh, between eighteen and forty percent on that buck on that one dollar. So, if you wrote a check to me uh, January first for sixteen thousand and one dollar, you file a gift tax return. In theory, you're paying uh, some sort of, you know overage tax or gift tax um, on that one one $1. I think I'll take part of my uh, $12.4 million estate and stick it at 16000 and be the end of it. Always good information from Jim. Jim Zahansky. By the way, you happy to get Jackie Bradley Jr. back? It's going to bolster the defense, I think. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, we, we, like, we like to see this happening. I just hope they start playing based on this whole lockout news. Yeah, I, I got have a good authority. There's no baseball games on today's schedule. <laughs> yeah, it's due to weather. <laughs> All right, always a pleasure, Jim. Thanks for joining me today. You know. Jim Zahansky from Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors, Principal Managing Partners, Jim Zahansky, AWMA, and Lawrence Hale, AAMS, CRPS, along with Vice President, Associate Financial Advisor, Lysel L. Cording, CFP, offer securities and advisory services through Commonwealth Financial Network, member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor, fixed insurance products and services offered through CES Insurance Agency. They practice at 697 Pomfret Street, Pomfret Center, Connecticut, 06259, that's where Jim is right now, 860 928 2341. Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors do not provide legal or tax advice. The tenured financial services team strives to support clients in achieving their financial life goals. Content is sourced and researched through 2021 Commonwealth Financial Network. For more information regarding wealth management and customized financial planning with Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors, and to talk baseball with Jim, please visit whzwealth.com.